forward than I would like. Welcome to Carpenter's Way. We're so glad that you chose to be with us this morning. As you can see, Chad is not here, and he normally does all this part. Uh, but we are happy that you're here worshiping King Jesus with us. If you're joining us online, we're glad that you're here as well. As in the words of Chad, please don't be a spectator, and let's all worship our King together. Great. 
See 
If you guys would stand so we can read scripture together, please. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord.
Be for
may be seated. We're going to dismiss the children at this time for their programming. Great music today, great worship, great reminders of things we learned as children. I have a few announcements that I want to make, and uh, I want to again greet you if you're watching online. I know we have some family members that are uh, homesick today, and we want you to know we, we're praying for you. Hang in there. Uh, COVID is going away, it looks like, until the next variant, but we're going to keep going. <laughs> We are going to keep going. So uh, I do have some announcements I want to make. Number one, I want to remind you, those of you who have been visiting or if you're watching online and you'd like to learn more about Carpenter's Way or you're ready to jump into membership, next Sunday uh, the t- or the 20th, we are having a new members class. It's called Carpenter's Way 101 because you don't have to become a member if you go, but starting at 9.30 in the library, we go from 9.30 until about 11.45 or a little before noon, uh, we have... Uh, Two hours of where we go through all the stuff at Carpenter's Way. You're going to meet the elders. You're going to meet the pastoral shepherding staff and different folks. But also go through the doctrine and why we do what we do. And you'll have a chance to ask questions of why we don't do some things that you might be used to. But that's a really important class. And we would encourage you to participate in that if you're interested in finding out why we do what we do. And, and, and that'll be wonderful. So that's, that's on the 20th. Uh, I also want to let you know that there is a ministry in town. There's so much, but so much death. And it's not just for spouses. But maybe a grandparent or somebody that was just special to you and you're just having a difficult time overcoming that. There is a ministry called Grief Share. And uh, we have one locally at, uh, this this is a national ministry, lots of churches do it. Uh, But um, uh, Caraway Funeral Home hosts this. And one of our own, uh, Tammy Jones, is involved in uh, leading it and participating in that. What it is, is it's 13 weeks, and while it's going to start the 3rd of March, uh, yeah, March 3rd, if you miss one, each one is in, encapsulated in itself, so you can miss one or two, and you can, you can go. But it's, I've heard from people in our church who've gone. You know, when somebody dies in our family, we all kind of go, oh, it'll be, it's going to hurt, it's going to be okay. But you know, there's nothing wrong with meeting with other people who are going through the same thing. And I think sometimes we, we become a solo act a little bit when we don't have to. And so if that is of interest to you, is Tammy here this morning? Tammy, are you in leadership of this? Do you help teach it or do you participate in it? Co-facilitate. So Tammy, I'm going to ask you after the service, if you have five minutes, if you will just come up here and then if anybody would like to know more information, I want it as easy on you as possible. And uh, Tammy will be up here. So please come talk to her. Again, that's Grief Share. And, and if you have questions, you can call the staff and we'll put you in touch uh, with Tammy or the other people involved. The last thing that I want to mention this morning is we... Uh, we are very excited, but there has been some renovation stuff going on as far as books and what it looks like in our library. That has become our overflow room, but also we have added a section of that library that is a research section, a biblical study area. It has four or five or six commentary sets in it. It has, uh, if you're interested in learning Greek, I'm adding, I'm adding books to that for entry Greek level if you've ever liked to study that, but this is a section library where you can't take the books home. We have like 15 different versions of the Bible. We also have parallel Bibles. Uh, Some Bibles that you probably don't own but might help you understand are translations of the Bible. But this is available to you. And the library during office hours, you can come in and you can sit there. Uh, Sometimes we use it if people need to meet over funerals and stuff. But most of the time, it's not used. And we would love to have you come in. And uh, Miss Ruby, who is our church librarian, and we'll talk more about her in the future, but she's actually set up a little fireplace. 
It doesn't light, but there's two really comfortable chairs. And if you want to go away from home and you want to sleep, those chairs are perfect sleeping days. And would you at least put a book on yourself so that we know you're not homeless? That's a problem. So, but, but seriously, the library is there for your use. It is predominantly, and let me say this, it is predominantly Christian nonfiction, right? Fiction, Christian fiction, right? Uh, uh, it's stories. Oh, Julie left the church. She, she led worship and left. Um, <laughs> But, but it's, it's predominantly, there's a lot of fiction in there for teenagers, for adults, uh, Christian novels and different things. Uh, but, but So go in there and look at the library. Check it out. Uh, checking out is really easy. Checking out a book uh, from the non-research area, you, you just take it and return it. We will find you because they're God's books, and he knows where you live. So anyway, uh, that's pretty much all I want to mention. Hey, be involved in Bible studies as your health allows. I say this every week. Be involved in worship to hear each other singing matters, to see each other's faces matters. Uh, build relationships. There's lots of Bible studies going on for women, for men, for groups. We have many of them are on Sunday mornings. Uh, there's a couple before church. There's a couple right after our, our gathering together. And then we have one uh, couple that go on in the evenings. There's a Wednesday morning. There's a Wednesday Night, there's Wednesday night Bible studies. Lots of opportunities for y'all to be involved. And we especially want to mention, if you know somebody that's single of college age, every Tuesday night during the semester, uh, Sabrina uh, Collins, as well as Chad and Teresa, they, they oversee a ministry for college age kids to study the scriptures together. And so if you know somebody that's interested in that, uh, please have them communicate with us or talk to Sabrina or Chad directly, because we'd love... Our job here is to get people in God's Word, right? And to encourage them. And so that's what all of these things do. And I, I, I really do think that the mindset of the church is changing. It used to be that Sunday, you know, do you go to church? That means are you going to the Sunday morning big, big gathering together? It is changing as people get a little bit more nervous and health matters. And so at least be involved in small groups. We, we, we want you to be involved in those because you need people in your life that's going to speak truth to you. So that does it for that. Let me pray together and then we're we're going to jump right into 1 Peter again. Father, we thank you for your word that does not return void ever. And I thank you, Father, for the privilege of being a clay pot telling other clay pots what the potter's like. And that comes with strengths and weaknesses, but what a privilege it is to open God's word every Sunday with my family here and teach them what, or show them what you are teaching me. And I pray, Father, that we will internalize these truths, truths and be transformed by them from the Holy Spirit that works within us. And may we understand a little bit more this morning what it means to be the temple of the Holy Spirit and, it, and the great cost of that. So we commit our time to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So let's get busy. Let's start with 1 Peter 2, 9 through 25, where we were last week, because that's going to take us into today's text and, and, and 1 Peter 3. So Peter wants them to understand, you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. Why? For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity, people, as a people, because now you are God's people. I mean, sometimes we think, okay, just, just take a break. Sometimes we think because of the way the gospel is presented and because of the way we try to compartmentalize everything, that we are saved purely as a destination event. 
Where do I go after I die? I mean, that's a first concern. The, you know, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so that's, that's, that's valid. That's how it is. But we are supposed to, at that point, get beyond that. That's called being born again into the family of God. And then we need to grow beyond that and understand what our role is here. And you, and you begin to realize what we weren't and what we are. We are now God's people, but before we were not. And I just want to be very, very clear, because I'm going to talk a little bit this morning to those of you who are not saved, who are not children of God who are just investigating. There are people in our culture, lots and lots of people in this world, who will say, I am not religious, but I am spiritual. That's, that's fine, but that will, that's fine. But just acknowledge that you don't really believe in anything. You believe in everything. And that's not a slam, but you've got to be honest with yourself. The truth is, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me. And so as, as we go through this, I want you to understand, you are not the child of God unless you've been born again. You are the creation of God, but you are not the child of God. And in this culture, even in the church sometimes, we're trying to make everybody feel good about themselves, which, by the way, you should not feel good about yourselves. You should feel good about God. I, I, I mean, seriously, even, and I understand that people have low self-esteem, but you should have low self-esteem if you are under the wrath of God. Where we find our worth is in what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. His love for me, that he would value me so much as kind of a clumsy, non-athletic, Southern California, bad back, four weeks ago throwing up preacher. I shouldn't feel good because I'm super good. I feel good because God can use a guy like me. And some people were walking by my office this week and realized it was emptied out. And they were celebrating before they knew what was going on that I might have resigned. <laughs> That's not the case. We're doing some renovation. And I came across, and I'm going to show it to you. It's just so yellowed, and something got poured on it. It's so nasty. But I really, I don't, I've told you this before, but I do not think you understand the depth of it. When I was in sixth or seventh grade, I could not read. For real. They had not ever really talked about dyslexia. All they knew is that I could... Now, now, what that means is I could read English, but I could read the Shaggy DA. <laughs> That's all I ever read in high school. But I could read it, and I was really relieved when the movie came out because then I could answer quiz questions. <laughs> but the truth is, the truth is, I couldn't comprehend. I could read half a page, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't remember. And I've, sh I've shown you some little things that you'll notice when I'm reading lots of Scripture. All of a sudden, I will read this verse out of line. And I've learned in my years that I can kind of finesse it so it looks like I read right, or I change the translation of the word a little bit, or use a different word. But the truth is, my eyes jump all over the page. And it's just, it's just how I am. And I've never been tested. When I tell people in our church who work with dyslexia, I'd like you to test me, they all laugh and walk away. I don't know what that means. I, don't, I think they're more concerned that I'm ADHD or manic. But, but, but the fact is, do you realize what I do for a living? I study, I read, and then I tell you what I've learned. And I listen to people nonstop. It's really funny. And I, I listen to people nonstop go, man, I could never. When I read the Bible, I get nothing out of it. I want to go, when I read anything, I get nothing out of it. <laughs> I mean, I'm just telling you, look what God is doing. And by the way, for those who feel that, I, you have no excuse because now there are audio Bibles and you can listen to them and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's, it's amazing what I was and what I am. Even as a child of God, what I was early in my walk with God and what I am now. 
And he's making this point. I know you feel bad, and I know you're being abused, and we'll get into the context a little more in a minute. But once you were not a people, you had no identity as a people. You were just trying to make yourself special. But now you are God's people. How precious is that? Church, you are God's people. No matter what the world thinks of you, and it is going to get worse. Well, that isn't very happy. It's just true. Then it gets better. And that's really true. Once you had received no mercy, but now you've received God's mercy. Do you realize everything has literally changed for us? And I think that's the hard part about what we're learning. We try to be in the world. We try to be in the world and in God's family. We try to be faithful and live holy lives and and temple-like lives while still being chill with the world. And I just don't think it's possible. The more, and maybe I'm getting older. Jeff and I laugh at each other now because it's like, when did we get old? I bought, you're going to love this. Carpenter's Way now owns a pew. They do, because I bought one for my office. I found this perfect, I, I, I'm, I'm on a shopping spree for my office, and I, I found this perfect, like, five-foot pew. It's oak. It must have been in an important church, because it is beautiful. I've never seen one like this in a Baptist church. But if you mess up, I'm going to sit you in that pew. <laughs> but it's cool. You know, we're, I mean, some of the stuff from our past, we just sang hymns this morning. I, I was telling Julie this week, one of the things that I like when he's gone and he asked her to lead is we can do stuff that's not in Chad's wheelhouse. And that's how the church functions, right? And I love that. At Christmas, there are times he says, I want you to lead Christmas songs because Chad hates Christmas. He's grouch. I mean, he's so grumpy. <laughs> That's what you get for taking the day off, Chad. But, but the truth is, it's so wonderful that we can work together and enjoy. And you know, not everything from our upbringing was bad. There was a lot of good thought. Actually, I tell people ask me, so did you grow up in a Christian church? Yes. And I would say that the doctrine, for the most part, was on point. It's the application that got really weird. I think they were so busy trying to make us Christians, they forgot that the Holy Spirit was working as well. And that it meant what it said. So, dear friends, he said, he goes on in verse 11, I warn you now, as temporary residents and foreigners, to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your soul. Just let that soak in. That is the problem. That is the problem of everything we're talking about. Keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your soul. That means that everything we're learning about this upside-down kingdom, maybe not everything, everything, but much of what we learn about the value system of heaven is going to go against what we think and feel. It wages war. He's not, he's not being metaphorically cute. How did Peter know? Because Peter had his flesh waging war as well. And I want to remind you of a specific example in Galatians where Paul, who's, who's later in ministry, goes into a community where Peter's ministering, and he says, I had to rebuke Peter publicly because he refused to meet and eat with Gentiles. I mean, we look at Peter as pre-resurrection and post-resurrection. Well, it appears to me that post-resurrection, spirit-filled Peter may have been a better follower of Jesus, but he was by far not a perfect follower of Jesus. And Paul rebuked him publicly because he was still a racist. Well, it's not about racism in the Bible. It's about religion. It's racism. It is what it is. When you say, I won't eat with a Gentile, whatever your reasons, that's racism. Okay? Jews are better, Gentiles are not. It is what it is. And that's okay because God can still teach us. And when he says, when he says we got to keep away from the worldly desires that wage war against your very souls, in the small print that didn't make it into the scriptures, it was, yeah, I should know. Print, you know. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, oh, he didn't make, he didn't make exception now for being mistreated. 
So even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior, and they will, honor, they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Not a week from Friday. Not when you take them a loaf of bread. But when he judges the world. I don't want to wait that long. We've been talking about that for weeks. For instance, he goes on. Here are some examples, not an exhaustive list, but of our new life behavior as God's kids. And he gives a few examples. And, and one of the mistakes, I think, in the past is the church said, these are four areas that you must obsess over. But when you look at the whole thing, he's just giving examples, specific examples, and he means them. But these are the examples, and I would argue they're extreme examples, of what upside-down uh, God's kingdom set values are like. And you've got to admit, they are unsettling. They are very unsettling, especially in a, Repub a democratic republic, because we don't know how to do the first thing he says. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king, but he starts. So the point is, all human authority, that includes bosses and police officers, but he goes on to, to give extreme examples. And I want to remind you that Nero or his mother was in charge at this time. So we translate it as king, but it's actually emperor. <laughs> Ugh. So whether it's the emperor as head of the state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. And then we think, wow, let's take a breath. The problem with Peter is he doesn't understand how it actually plays out. I mean, these people are not doing what's right. Verse 15. It is God's will. Wow, there's something we pray. Dear God, would you show me your will? Okay, here it is. Here's his will. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people. Any feelings on how Paul or Peter feels about Nero? Or those who serve him? It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. Oh, so, so Peter isn't ignorant. He really knows. He, he's telling us to, to respect him anyway. For you are free, yet you're God's slaves. Oh. So, don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Oh. But they don't live in a democratic republic. Part of our country gives us the right. Too often I hear someone say, or maybe I think it, there's no way God would want this. I heard this at Carpenter's Way after Obama was elected. The reason Obama was elected, I was told, was because the church didn't rise up and vote against him. And I would respond, or God, in his sovereignty, like Romans says, appointed a king. That's not right. There is no way God would want that man leading this country. Have you ever read the Old Testament? I mean, let's take the best case scenario. The nation of Israel wanted a king, so God gave him Saul? And do you remember where he was when he was going to be anointed as king? Hiding in the suitcases. I mean, he wasn't much of a leader. The only thing he had going for him was the people chose him because it says he was tall and handsome. <laughs> I mean, boy, are we back there. Well, maybe not, but, you know. I mean, it's just weird. It's nothing's changed, but it's like, uh, oh, man, okay, so I've got I've to honor the king. It, 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 God wouldn't want it that way. And, and the problem is we have to understand that, yeah, he does sometimes, and in ways that we can't understand. So he wraps this part up with respect everyone and love the family of believers, fear God, and respect the king. All right, message, pause for a moment because I need to say something to you. Um, 
I, I tell you a lot. I thank you for putting up with me because you get the full mark. The, the same mark you get when you're sitting on the pew in my office. That's going to be so fun to say. Um, the same mark you get there, you get at the pulpit. And, and, and a lot of times, that's a good thing. Sometimes it is not. Uh, and at times... I'm just having fun, and I'm talking, and I'm studying the scripture, and I'm excited because I'm being convicted, and you're being convicted, and we're all in the same boat going, are you sure, God, you understand what we're going through? And so last week, and, and I've admitted to you that when I'm confronted with something and I'm wrong, I will apologize, and that's what I'm doing. <sighs> okay, last week, I was swinging back and forth from how some of you, and we have a lot, more than people realize, because you're in hiding, that we have a lot of Democrats feel like Trump is the devil, okay? And then there's a lot more Christians who feel like Biden is whatever. And as I was talking about honoring the king last week, and I was being very eloquent, um, we, I, I had said, I, I was making jokes about all the leaders and Pelosi and Biden, and uh, as I went back and forth, I said, uh, instead of, I said, it's like, it, whether you hate Trump or you hate, and I said, Brandon, listen, I know what that means. It was a tongue-in-cheek shot that there is a church in Texas that about a month and a half ago had a meeting in the church. The church was full, and they did a rowdy, let's go, Brandon, let's go, Brandon. And it was so offensive to me. And sometimes I think in my head that you'll know something, and the truth is that was something that worked in my head but didn't work here. I was not endorsing that. It's wrong. The whole point of this text is, we don't say things like that to our, our, our leaders, whether we like them or not. And I've said on multiple occasions, it's not okay to talk about Nancy Pelosi's appearance. It's not okay. It's, it's just not okay. And I realize that sometimes as I'm sliding and surfing across the stage and having fun that I say things that might be misconstrued. And that was misconstrued by several, and I was, uh, I was um, reproved. And I should have been. And I am sorry. I want to apologize. I in no way... I mean, it would be kind of crazy to preach a message on honoring the king and then slam him. Um, I have grave concerns about our president. Uh, but, and I, and I don't think it's a problem talking about those grave concerns. What I do think is to dismantle him in a vulgar way is never appropriate for a child of God. And that is not in my brain. That's not what I was doing. But some were sleeping until I got to that point. <laughs> I'm teasing. I know. Okay, more texting. Jeff at cwbc.org. But I want you to know that I, I in this, I am sorry. I, I sometimes get a little flippant, and I did not mean that. I did not mean to do what was portrayed to some, and I apologize for that. And I appreciate your grace. If you don't show me grace, don't pray the Lord's Prayer. Um, but, uh, but I did want to take a moment and say that, and for those who text me, uh, I want to thank you. Uh, that is why we gather, to reprove each other, and I am watching your sin. I'm just teasing. I'm not. Okay. We good? We're good. Amen. Thank you. All right. So back to our text. So here's where it gives. This, so the first example is honoring those in authority over us. Then he goes to the second example, which made me sweat last week because it says what it says. You who are slaves, verse 18, must submit to your masters with all respect. Well, slavery was different back then. C can we just stop that, please? The church does that all the time. It's like Jesus' first miracle, turning water to wine. Well, it wasn't alcoholic. Why wasn't it alcoholic? Well, he didn't have time for it to ferment. Are you kidding me? There was enough time for it to turn from water to grape juice, but not water to alcoholic drink? I, I, 
what happened to us? Can we just accept it at face value? It says what it says. You who are slaves must submit to your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you. Not only if they're kind and reasonable. Oh, come on, Peter. But even if they're cruel. And there's some who are going to go, well, that's because you're white and you, your family weren't enslaved. And I totally understand that. But what God is trying to do is help you as his child understand that your life here on earth will be offended and mistreated no matter in, by myri- myriad different ways. And your goal in life is to be the temple of the Holy Spirit, introducing people to kingdom values, not making right what's wrong here. There will never be enough, enough, uh, enough retribution for what has been done in the past. And the church has to stop. Politics has to stop. Because somebody did something 15 years ago, 20 years, do you want to be judged by that? Well, I'm not running for office. That's why. But we've got to stop. We've we got to move on. And, and, and I think that's, a, that's kind of where it really applies to us today. It says, even if they're cruel, for God is pleased when, notice this, conscious of his will, we patiently endure unjust treatment. That means when Julie and I are at home and I'm so mad at what, what's going on around me, I'm so mad, she reminds me that I, have, I am a living sacrifice. And conscious of that, despite the flesh-waging war, I go, so be it. Okay. Well, I don't like it. I know, Mark. But I'm going to follow you. Thank you, Mark. That's what this looks like, you guys. And I do, I do think that we've become Instagram Christians. I think we're all looking for that good feel. When your head is being chopped off, when you're being persecuted, mocked, there may be joy, but there's not a good feel. I just don't think that's the case. And yes, I've read Fox's Book of Martyrs. I know they died well, but I think inside they were nervous. How can you say that? Because Jesus was nervous when he was going to be crucified. Father, take this cup of suffering for me but not my will, yours be done. One of the other things I just want you to understand here is this is not easy. That's why it's called living sacrifice. But this is the real deal. If you suffer uh, for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. Okay, well, I don't want to please him these ways. God, just tell me what college to go to. Why? Because if you figure out where he's going to end up putting you, then you don't have to, your life will be smoother, and we want smooth life, but this means no smooth life. We're going to keep going. Verse 21, for God called you to do good, even if it means, what's that word? Suffering. Suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example, and you must follow in his steps. I'm sorry that you got saved to fix your marriage, and be a better person. I'm sorry you were kind of half told the truth. But the truth is, we were just told by Peter that we must follow in Christ's steps who suffered for us. Verse 22, how did that happen? Well, he never sinned. He didn't deceive anyone. So in other words, he's saying in this, in this Greek phrase, what he's saying is Jesus, we all know Jesus didn't sin, but what he's actually saying is Jesus never sinned against anyone. He didn't, he didn't trash Pilate. He said, this really isn't in your hands. When Pilate said, don't you, I could, I could kill you. And Jesus' response is, that's only because I've given you that authority. I mean, that wasn't, we, we read it as sarcastic. We go, stick him with Jesus, get him. And Jesus is going, that wasn't my point. My point was, do what you must do. Do it quickly. Because this is something that has to happen. Wow, it's so humble. He goes on, he never, he never sinned against anyone. He didn't deceive anybody. Verse 23 
This is where it gets real personal for us today, 2022 in the United States of America. He did not retaliate when he was insulted. He didn't threaten revenge. You're going to get yours. When he suffered, here's how he did it. He left his case in the hands of God who judges fairly. Man, I know this is hard, but I know the question right here is, so you want me to just not do anything? And I say, first of all, I want to do the same things you want to do. However, what God is asking through Peter is that we trust him and we do what he wants us to do, which means be the temple. Love people like Jesus did. When people rejected him, he didn't beg them not to reject him. He didn't try to change his show or change his magic. He moved to the next group. Because everything that was Jesus was about was about representing his father and inviting people into the kingdom. He personally carried our sin in his body on the cross so that we might be dead to sin and live for what is right for it is by his wounds we are healed, and, I, and you are healed. And I, I got I to gotta talk about this for a second because this is one verse that Satan uses with so many Christians. This does not mean, this verse does not mean that you will never get sick. This is talking about the ultimate disease that will send you into separation with God and the wrath of God. It is by his stripes, your sin disease, your separation from God was healed. That's really important. That does not mean we'll be sick, we'll be free of illness. Verse 25. Why, God? Why do you demand such demeaning stuff of me? Because once you were like sheep who had wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. You mean, I have to trust you with my life, to which all Christians said, duh. But then you go, but you have to trust him with your life. Well, I don't want to. You know, it, I've been talking with some of you about this. Maybe I said it last week, but, you know, it's funny because people say when I talk about worrying, and that's one of my hobbies, um, I, I, people say, you know, the problem is you preach, you, you know God in your head, but you don't know him in your heart, to which I really want to respond publicly. That's not true. My problem is I've read this book so many times, I know exactly what God does to those who submit themselves to him. And I don't like it. You know, I'm sure that going to heaven that day, and there's songs about it when Stephen was stoned to death, I'm sure that that was a glorious thing to get taken up into heaven and see Jesus at the right hand of the Father. But can't I just go by elevator instead of stoning? I'm not thinking that John enjoyed when he was, his head was cut off and then carried around in Herod's court. Actually, we know it wasn't because a couple days before, he sent his disciples to go ask Jesus if he was really the Messiah, or should I keep looking? I mean, the truth is, after Elijah called out fire from heaven and ate all those altars, and then the 500 high priests of Baal were killed, which to us would have been like the best day of our lives. Yeah, look, our God is live. He's doing his thing. He went into a deep depression. If you struggle, struggle with depression, you need to go read Elijah's story because you're not the only one. It's real. This is real. There's discouragement. Even after you've seen the fire from heaven, there's discouragement. We act today like all we need is worship songs and fire from heaven and everything's great. I got news for you. It's not that great. And if you have any questions, watch the faith healers wear glasses as they heal blind people in the congregation. I mean, we're just, it's just nuts today. We need to obsess with God and says, instead of going, heal my blindness, we say, even if I remain blind, I will remain faithful. Please heal my cancer. But even if you choose not to, I will not bow to any other God. 
even if I struggle with depression and anxiety my whole life, I will not walk away. Even if I end up in the fiery furnaces of this world, I will not bow to any but Je Jehovah God. That's what he's asking of us. That's all. And it's hard because all we know is the flesh. And our flesh has got fiery wars going. This is one of those times you've got to take things into your own hands and you can just hear the evil one going, God doesn't expect you to deal with this. It's your, you have an inalienable right to the pursuit of happiness. You know, you live in a country that says that you can revolt. So you, 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 you're not understanding the Scripture. And the problem is we're actually understanding the Scripture very, very well. That's the problem, isn't it, with this study? It's actually really clear. And it's not that much fun. Uh, just, just to remember now, now, now I, I, I said I was going to talk to those of you who are not uh, followers of Jesus. Before I do, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. this. This answers the whole enchilada is right here. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ become a new person. The old life is gone, new has begun. And, and I do think... But this Instagram version of Christianity tries to be as hipster worldly as we can while being godly as well. And you cannot do that. That's what the whole book of James is about. The whole letter of Jesus' brothers was to say, you can't divide your attention between the world and God. And I think the church tries to do that. And I, I, I want to put a big pushback just personally, it's not biblical, it's just personally, to churches that try to do seeker-driven models. That doesn't work. You cannot make the world like the truth. The truth is offensive. Why? Because it tells you that without God, you are depraved. You are under the wrath of God. Nobody likes that. Nobody likes that. And actually hipster it up and decide not to talk about sin or, or to overlook sin or to simply tell people that they're beautiful actually removes the problem. The problem is that we're talking on a spiritual plane and you might be a nice person as the world judges. Unfortunately, the people that are judging you are not the judge. And at some point, we have to bow the knee to the judge. Not just before salvation, but after salvation. And I think, I think that, you know, I think we're all glad we're saved and I'm not questioning salvation. The question is, do we bow after salvation? Because this has been very clear. Second Corinthians, we're new people. A new life has begun. There is much in the New Testament written to help us imagine this new life in Christ. As we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit, the hot spot of God's presence on the earth, his priests who take people to God. I, I say imagine this new life because it's not an exhaustive list of do's and don'ts. I had somebody recently ask me after we were talking about holy lives, ask me, should we watch rated R movies? That's the kind of world I grew up in. Don't watch rated R movies. Don't play cards. And my answer was, you should ask, the, you should ask God. I mean, I'm not going to do that anymore. I mean, am I going to tell you you can't watch The Passion? Or are you going to call your pastor every time a, a Christian rated R movie comes out? You know, Well, I said I would never watch a rated R movie, and there's The Passion, and I really want to see it. Well, go watch it. But I made a vow I wouldn't watch it. Well, that was a dumb vow. Well, I made it to God. Well, then you better not watch it. But I really want to see it. Then go watch it. I mean, that's really where we are. I mean, we're trying to, we're trying to never make a mistake. A, you're going to. B, you shouldn't make promises God never asked you to make. On the other hand, his, the things that we vow to God are way bigger. They're way bigger. I grew up in an era, as many of you, that we so shunned alcohol, we shunned people who were alcoholics. That was never the intent of Scripture. We, we ran away from the very people that needed the temple near them. 
If you are not a child of God, okay, and I, what I'm going to say is going to slap you in the face, and I understand that. I took that into account, but you need to listen to what I'm saying because it's true. If you are watching online or in this room and you are not a follower of Jesus and these things I'm teaching offend you, it's none of your business. <laughs> you don't need to worry about it. This is not your life. We're not talking about a better way of doing the world. That's a mistake the church preaches. The church has been acting for the last 50, 60, 70 years or, or since even, even the uh, suffrage movement. We're trying to make the world act like godly people. That's ridiculous. You can't take a dead thing and make it live some way. And they're really dead. The truth is, this is the life of the people the Holy Spirit inhabits so that we can be the temple. So while the world is going crazy, and if you doubt the world is going crazy, just look at college sports right now. You've got all these groups, these, these frustrated groups from the gay rights movement to the women's uh, liberation movements, I know I'm back in the 70s, uh, to, to uh, these transgender movements, all these groups that have all these letters, and guess what? They're now eating each other up for attention. You see, what just happened and is happening right now, and this is what depravity does. Sin makes you stupid. But when you actually get everything you want, you start eating each other. How do I know that? Look at what's going on with college sports right now. You've got men who, are, who, who, who believe they're women, who are transitioning into women, and they're playing in women's sports, and they're beating everybody. Why? Because it's depraved to think that that's a woman. I mean, you can start mutilating them, but they're still men. Oh, you're unloving, Pastor. I... It is what it is. I'm simply saying that the world is in chaos. It is in chaos, but the church should not be. Why? Because we get our marching orders from the king. And that may be offensive to the world, and if you're lost, and if you're frustrated, and if you are watching, and you are going, he is such a, what? What am I, a, a biblicist? Christians, we don't do this because it's easy. This wages war against our soul. We don't do these things because that's what the world does or because that's the better way to live or even because whatever, the world should do it our way. No, that's not even why we witness. We witness so people can have a relationship with the living God and they too can be the hot spot of his presence on the earth. There should be a thousand people, at least at Carpenter's Way and every other church in this community that aren't talking but just living out this life that are living faithful for the Lord. And we agree on what that looks like. And some of them are tough. But if you are not a child of God, this is not for you to live or even care about. So stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. We should never, we are not at Carpenter's Way asking you to live like this. We just want you to know God. And then we'll start discipling you and helping you understand why. The truth is you have rejected God at this point. So it shouldn't be expected that you're going to like his way of life. I know, that's offensive, but it's true. If you've rejected Jesus Christ as the Savior, if you're not saved right now, then what would make anybody think you'd like his value system? Seriously, I don't expect that from you. So please, you can call us whatever you want, but make sure that in whatever you call us, you put in there, and they actually believe that God wants us to do what the Bible says. Because that's the only reason I even want to do it. By way of context, remember... Peter is writing. I know you're like, wow, 10.33 and he hasn't even gotten to 1 Peter 3. You're going to understand why in a moment. Somebody asked me this week if I was going to let Julie preach and I thought, not on your life. But the truth is, the problem with the, today's text, which is 1 Peter 3, 1-7, is there's just not a lot to talk about. It just says what it says. 
Well, what we need to do is understand what he really meant by what it says. No, it's pretty clear even in the translations what he means. But I'm setting the stage for why it offends us. Because it goes against our flesh. Whether you are just a citizen and you don't like the president or the people in office, or whether you are a slave, I am I have a right. Yes, 1 Corinthians says if there's a way for you to get away, then you get away. But the truth is, for most there's not, so you just honor God where you're at. So you're pro-slavery. It's not what I said. I'm pro-living as a temple wherever we are. So we pick this up in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, in the same way. <laughs> uh, what was right before that? Slavery? So in the same way, you, mu you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then, even if some refuse to obey God, the good news, not saved, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. And they will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. There's been a constant theme. And again, these are just examples. He means them, but these are just examples of how radical this upside-down life is. This temple life. This hot spot of God's presence in the world. And I think in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to show you the video again just to make sure we all understand what we're talking about here. You know, the one I started at the beginning. But... Um, even if the context of our lives are harsh, Peter is saying, you're still to be God's temple in that context. And here's another observation that I'm seeing as we live as exiles. While we often want to learn what magical words to say to people to get them saved, he keeps coming back to how we live. Our lives. I, okay, so I am, I've told you this before, I, I, I get confused because I didn't grow up Southern Baptist. But uh, you guys are familiar with D. James Kennedy's uh, uh, the evangelism tool. Evangelism explosion. Are you familiar with that? Some of you? And in the Baptist church, you had a, a version of it. It was called faith or something. I think it was a witnessing tool. But basically, they were the same things. And you would go to these classes, and then at the end of the classes, in the end of the evening, you would go out into the neighborhoods, and you would knock on the door. <laughs> Seriously, we did this. Now, look, I know some of you were trained in this. I'm a clinician for EE. But we would go to doors, and they would open the doors, and I'd say, hi, my name's Mark. You know, I'm with a nonprofit organization up the street. For real, this is what we did. I'm with a nonprofit organization up the street. That's true. Just as true as Abraham's sister was his wife. Um, but, but, and we're taking a survey and we want to know, uh, A, do you go to church? Uh, well, at Christmas we go to church. Okay, so another question in the survey is, if you were to die today and stand before God, and he were to say something like, why shall I let you into my heaven, what would you say? And what we were doing was manipulating a conversation about evangelism, which, which I get, but it's still manipulation, it's deception, because we're not a survey organization. I remember us laughing when we would go back to church at the end of the night, and we would write them on a whiteboard so that we could actually keep it as a report, but we would never record them for anything because it wasn't a survey. It was manipulation. And I think deception never is a good idea. Okay, I just don't think that. But the truth is, this is saying that how I treat my neighbors is more important than what I say to my neighbors. And we're going to get later in this letter, and it's going to say how I treat my neighbors should make them question why I do what I do. And let me give you an example of why I'm doing, bringing up that verse before we get there. And the answer to that is because if you truly are a slave, and I'm using that extreme example, and you honor your cruel master, your other slaves are going to say, why are you so nice to him? And you're going, because God's going to judge him in the end. If we don't hate 
the president we didn't vote for? The world's going to say, aren't you concerned? And you can go, a little bit. But are you going to just let it go? What about your grandkids? I'm going to trust my grandkids to my God. Oh, you're a Quaker. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what I am. I'm just trying to be obedient. It's what it says. It's what it says. Well, it doesn't mean what it says. What we need to do is go back to the Greek. The problem with the Greek, with, this, with these instructions are, the word, like, okay, let me, let me go to the submissive one. Um, the, the Greek phraseology for that, and I have the Greek word, but we have a Greek specialist in our church, so I'm not even going to try. No, it doesn't matter. He knows what the word is. He should just be quiet and stay in his seat. I used to use Greek words when nobody's here, and I would use them out of context just to shut you all up, so now I can't. Uh, but that was a joke. But the Greek word actually means, it's like a military word, and it means voluntary sum surrender, submitting. So the wife is instructed here to voluntarily give up her right to self and, and honor her husband. What's interesting is it's a command to voluntarily. In other words, what he's saying is the temple of the Holy Spirit wife you must, if you're going to honor God, submit to your husband. Like a private in the military submits to an idiot general. Well, what if he's... Okay, all right, I, I know I'm going to get this question, so I'm going to go ahead and answer it. What if he's abusive? Okay? This is not talking about that. There's a time to leave, especially if he's a believer. This text of Scripture has been used in history to tell wives who are being abused by their pastor, elder, deacon, husbands to stay and submit. That is not what we're talking about here. There is a place and a time to deal with legal, to have legal ramifications for the church to get involved. But what we're talking about here is the everyday living of a, of a woman and a man, not a dysfunctional blow-up. But here's the other warning. We have so lowered the bar on what abuse is, you can make it anything. I don't like the way he looks at me when you come home. He doesn't make me, he, she doesn't make me bubble anymore. You should see her in lingerie. Am I going to apologize for that next week, too? <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like we have to, you know, I, we like Hallmark movies, right, Julie? Say, so, okay, that's what I thought. You're sleeping. You're still, you're still on the other comment, aren't you? She's not. <laughs> <laughs> she leans over to Anna and says, did he say lingerie? <laughs> Is that what you said? Come on, am I close? Okay, you should submit to your husband because God said so. Just nod, honey. So, I don't even remember where I was going with this. But ladies, wives, this is not single, this wives. Wives, this is your task. I am so mad at how he treats me. Your, your flesh is waging war. For those of you out there who are not believers, you're going, how, this is traditional. Not really. This is a new thing. Well, what makes it new? That I'm doing this out of service to the Lord, not to my husband. Another thing I want to observe. This is not men and women issues. This is not a gender issue. This is wife to husbands. There isn't one instruction in Scripture for women to submit to men outside of the elder role in the church. Never. Never, ever, 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 never, ever, never, never, never. What has happened in the past is we just slid from wives to women and we said, well, no. Nope. 
You know who the first person to ever present the gospel, if the gospel is the definition scriptural, that Jesus Christ was dead, rose from the dead, three days later, you know the first one to present the gospel was? Yes! A demon-possessed woman. It wasn't even Jesus' mother. It was Mary Magdalene. Are you kidding me? Jesus picked <laughs> the worst follower, and you know what I mean, to proclaim to the disciples. And what's awesome is when she goes to the disciples and tells them, what do they say? She's hallucinating. Oh, man, we are a piece of work, aren't we? But it never says men to women, women to men. It's wives. Very specific. So, okay, single women. Okay, it's weird. going to be weird. This is wives to husbands. Girls. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says it's better to stay single. Because there's no disruption in your service to the Lord. You can commit every moment of every day of your life being the temple. You don't have to. So I want to say this. If you are single, you don't have to get married. If you don't want to do this, woman of God, then don't. I don't want to submit to a slave master, so I'm going to do everything in my power not to ever be a slave. Seriously. I have backed off of my personal Instagram account because... I'm mad a lot of times when I read it. It's not good for my flesh. So I'm posting for the church, and I'm getting off, putting verses, but it's not good for me. I'm trying to live wisely. But ladies, if you don't want to do this as a woman of God, you don't have to unless you're already married, and then you need to submit to that circumstance. But you don't have to get married. If you don't want to add a level of honor, then don't. Second point in this, I know you're lonely, so you better choose wisely. You better add to that, is he hot, is he fun, does he make a lot of money, and does he take me to church to, do I want to submit to this man? If you don't, we're going to be right back here in First Peter in my office on that, on that pew. And I know that's a weird exhortation, but I want to be very, very clear. These are specific examples. This is not a woman-man thing. And, and, and I don't know why the church has blown all this up to try to control. I think it's because we're misogynistic in nature. I do. I agree with you. Me too. The problem is, me too isn't, isn't a religious movement. It's not the answer to everything. They're still, oh yeah, but. And that's what this is. So, what God do you want for me as a wife? What does it look like to be the temple of the Holy Spirit in an ugly marriage or a difficult marriage or even a good marriage? Verse 3, don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. I got to pause. There's a lot of people walking around this community with long dresses and long hair and in buns. That is not what this is talking about. He, you could add to this only. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be pretty. And all God's husband said, you are such a bunch of wieners. You all know that you, you like your wife. You've got to paint the barn. Come on. <laughs> Jeff at cwbc.org. I mean, it is what it is. Don't worry. We're, we're not at the... Sometimes I say things that I need to apologize for immediately. No, there's nothing wrong with that. We're not, I mean, you are Texas women. You love bling and brisket. K 
cowboy boots. I don't know what else. You just are Texas. Bling's okay. But it's not the goal. The goal is not to be concerned with outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within. Same thing we've been talking about. This temple thing. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. How? They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband Abraham and called him her master. I think she's such a weird example. <laughs> she wasn't perfect, was she? You are her daughters when you do what is right without fear of what your husbands might do. Again, we're not talking about indulging and allowing yourselves to be abused. There's laws for that. And if we need to help you find them, we will. If we need to confront your believing husband, we will. And we have. We're talking about in the normal day in and day out things, and you might be in a really tough marriage, but this is talking to you about why you need to live this. Not just so your husband wins, but it's not about that at all. It's about so God wins. You know, the Lord taught the disciples to pray, and we all know this prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. What's the next line? Thy will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven. Well, we always thought God would bring that down with fire and angels. What if he means in our lives? I mean, what if he means by how I, I choose to submit? What if he means that I'm going to give a little glimpse of what heaven is like and submitting to authority whether I understand it or not, whether it's God or Joe Biden or Donald Trump? Well, those are not the same. No, but the authority line is. So the people ask questions. And then I answer them. Having a hard time, but God is good. So you're going to, yes. Why? Because God is my guardian. He's got my back. Same for women. Again, if you are not a follower of Jesus, stay in your lane. Nobody's asking this of you, not even God. The only thing you need to worry about is who's going to deal with your sin, you or God. Ladies, I know this doesn't solve all of your questions, so I give you Titus 2, 4, and 5. These older women must train younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. If you are, and I expect there's lots of people struggling with what I'm saying right now, and I present to you Beverly Kent, Martha Rowan. We, we could go on. You know, I'm sorry, I start mentioning names and I start thinking of dozens and dozens of names. Somebody's going to feel left out, but there are some godly older women whose husbands may even look perfect on the outside but aren't on the inside. And that's how we deal with this. That's why you have to gather. You've got to get to know somebody that can talk you through the junk, the fleshly battle. And ladies, I don't see this any less intensely difficult than I do a slave submitting to his cruel master. Because the fact is, I married a woman who's twice as smart as me. So you know what we did in our marriage? And I would say that she's a very submissive wife. But as a manager of our home, as the head of our home, I've learned to let her run some things. 
I have. I want her to run some things. My gosh, you do not want me in charge of money. I know all of you just went, whoa, he's the pastor. Don't worry, they keep me a long way away from that box. <laughs> She's good at that. We work together really good on raising kids. She is a softie when the kids cry. I see it as a manipulative tool, and let's put them on the pew. <laughs> there are, <laughs> we work together, and there are times she says, you're being too harsh, and I'm like, okay, you're right. And there's times she, we've started saying to our kids, uh, now that we're watching Samuel get born, she will admit for the first time ever that she was really soft. And, you know, Mark, to help us through that, we work as a team. Uh, I would say when it comes to our marriage, and we have a good marriage, that Julie is my best friend and a better friend than a lover because that comes with the friendship. We just work good. We do life together. And we're not the same. She grew up poor. I grew up with a father who tried to provide everything for us. But together, as we both submit to the Holy Spirit, it works. So somebody's thinking in the crowd, um, does God say anything to husbands? Yes. And it's much more general. It's worse. <laughs> in the same way, could you stop saying that, Peter? Could we have a new way? In a totally different way. In the same way, your husbands must give honor to your wives. Okay, pause. So, ladies, I'm aware right now that you're going, well, submit is way stronger than that. Not really. That means that no matter how she acts, how she behaves, what she's doing, right or wrong, I honor her. If I've had a hard day and she's griping that she has to do dishes, I honor her by doing those dishes. And I keep my mouth shut while I'm doing it, at least when she's with an earshot. I honor her. I honor her by caring about what dresses she buys. By getting a pedicure this weekend. I know. I know this is, I got to admit it. So we had our Valentine's. We, we don't do, I, I refuse to celebrate Valentine's because it's a card holiday on Valentine's. But it seems like I spend more money the week before or the week after. But we went out of town this weekend and that's where I found the pew in Brenham. B-R-E-N-H-A-M. Yeah. By the way, for all of my A&M friends, yeah, your little cult has got me colored today. Uh, but on Friday, we're like, oh, she's like, so what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. We can go see a movie uh, at a dinner movie theater, or we can get a pedicure. Ooh, that is so weird. And I'm confident the Koreans were talking about me the whole time. <laughs> confident. The only English words I heard were, oh, he has feet like a baby. <laughs> I handed her my man card. By the way, guys, I know of a men's event next year we're going to do. <laughs> it is awesome. Not that I said that. I know I'm hallmarking. I'm, I'm, so, I'm from California. The whole thing just blew up just like that. I'm going to wear boots next week. You know what? It was so fun. And I made jokes the whole time, and she laughed the whole time, and it was awesome because I honored her. I'm not saying I'm the perfect example because there's plenty of times I apologize to you this morning for something I said to you. Imagine how often she has to hear those words. I did. I studied this last week, and I reacted to her. She wanted to ask me something, and my brain was busy, and I reacted like, Would you just I, now's not the time. And I had to go back and say, I didn't honor you. So let me be clear. While women, I know it's hard, your, your flesh fights the struggle of submitting. Let me just tell you, guys, 
If we do the honor thing, our wives won't have a hard time submitting at all. Because we have their best interest in mind, not our own. I got to tell you one more funny story before we get almost done. <laughs> Notice all those little words, almost done. Um, when I came to East Texas, I noticed that a lot of guys who get two weeks vacation would take one or more going hunting. And I, w I remember we were going, I don't think it was, I think it was Ephesians or something, I was talking about this. And I said, guys, if you get two weeks vacation and you take one week hunting, that's selfish. And I had like six women come up to me after the message and say, we've been talking, we want them to go. <laughs> so I haven't brought that up again. But y'all got it worked out. I just want you to know that. But this doesn't look like, it doesn't look like our marriage. It doesn't look like your ex-pastor's marriage or your therapist's marriage. It looks like your marriage. So here's your homework. Uh, and by the way, guys, if you don't want to honor a wife, don't get married. If you're already married, you got to. Or don't claim to. In the same way, you husbands must honor your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together, she may be weaker than you are. Okay, can we stop? Go back to the transgender swim things. This is not about who's dumber. We all know that the women are smarter. Right, men? Did you notice that? When I slammed the women, you would not agree, but you agreed there. Well, you bunch of wieners. <laughs> anyway, the fact is, this is, not about being, this is not about being weaker in the brain or in courage. I am so thankful for the courage of some of the women in this flock. This is about who wins in a swim meet, in a wrestling match. And I am fully aware that most of you can take me. But we all agreed that I got a pedicure, and I'm not much of an example of a man right now. So, but, the, but the truth is, he's talking about, even though she, you may take her, even though you're bigger, you're stronger, she may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. She's not lesser than you in God's eyes, and you better remember that. And if we realize this, our wives wouldn't have a problem with submitting. But ladies, if your husband doesn't realize it, you still don't have an excuse. You've got to submit. Or not walk with God. Here's the end of it. Treat her as you should so your prayers won't be hindered. I, I, I do have a little uh, frustration, as you do, that there's a lot of us who want to walk with God, but we don't want to do everything God asks us to do. And I just want to be clear that we all know in our heads that that's mutually exclusive. We either do it all or none. And none isn't working. Ask the world. Turn on CNN or Fox News. It's not working. For those of you who are not followers of Jesus, who don't like me teaching this, who find this offensive, I want to be clear. How's that working for your world? I would argue it ain't. Ask the truckers up north. Well, that's about a vaccine. It's about everything. It's not working. Your world without God ain't working too well. So I've got another thought. How about Christians who claim to be citizens of heaven, whose daddy is the king of this new kingdom? How about we do it his way and see what happens? That's what this is about. Pretty straightforward, not complicated. Except when our flesh fiery pushes back. So single couples, think again. It's really not a sin if you choose not to get married. It's not a sin. It's a sin to get married and not live by this. Married couples, here's your first step towards this. 
How about asking your wife or your husband for Valentine's Day when you have dinner or you're having a quiet moment? Men, to your wife, do I honor you? Oh, you're so nice to me. You brought me to over. That's not what I'm asking. Do I honor you? Women, and you can't say this unless they ask. Women, how about asking your husband how they're doing as helpmates and followers? Well, I know how I'm doing. I don't want to ask that. Then maybe you should just apologize and say you're going to start. I know, I know you love God, okay? I know you love God. I don't doubt that. I know you love heaven. I know you love to worship. I, I know all those things. I believe that about you, Carpenter's Way. I can't speak for any other church, but I know that about you. But as the world gets closer to the return of Christ, and I do believe it's coming soon, and we can argue about that, I know, but it's going to get harder. We better realign ourselves with God's plan if we're going to have joy in this weird journey. And it's going to have to start at home. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, this, uh, this text is examples of what this holy life looks like, but my goodness, living as an exile is more difficult than we imagined. What you ask of us, it goes against our flesh. And yet you ask it nonetheless. And so, Lord Jesus, I ask your Holy Spirit to not only give us the desire to do life your way, to do marriage your way, to do work your way, to be a citizen of this country your way, but I ask that you even give us the burning desire to do it your way, even when it doesn't feel right. We do love you, Jesus. Now help us trust you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, uh, you're going to be up here about grief share. Uh, Anna, would you be, and Julie, will you go back to that table back there? If you have any questions about the Bible studies, uh, if you have any questions about our new members class, Julie and Anna will be at the table to answer them this morning. No.